Thank you for downloading the One Church Podsmead podcast. This message was recorded live at one of our services. To find out more about life at One Church, visit us online at thisisonechurch.com. Everybody good? Do you enjoy the conference? Yeah, if you, if you missed it, you've just got to put it in your diary for next year. Do not miss this, whatever happens. Even if you have to get someone to give you a piggyback all the way there, you need to be part of this. It just joins us all together. It was a real privilege. And if you've missed it, even if you haven't missed it, listen to the podcast again, because it was dripping with God's word for us as a church. Uh, what we are encouraging everybody is the one church is about growing you to live big. What that means is don't settle with what you've got. If you're breathing, it means God's got a bit more for you. All right? If you think this is I've plateaued, this is this is not a message from heaven. If you think I've reached my optimum, this is not what God is saying. God is saying, if you're breathing, I've got more for you. I've got something bigger for you. I've got something to, for you to do. Isn't that wonderful? Now, that doesn't mean, oh, I'm going to you know, travel to China and, you know, and become a missionary. Sometimes you just look at those things and go, and that might be a word for someone here. I do believe that one church will be sending missionaries one day. Our missionaries people from our congregations <coughs> serving in other nations and we'll be supporting them. Isn't that going to be wonderful? But as Hugh says, it's all about each day recognising we are part of God's great plan and just simply serving him every day. We have a story, an adventure that takes a bit of courage for us to achieve every day. Isn't this wonderful? That's why we've got to be in this together Growing one another to live big. Are you living big today? Are you, or are you hiding away? And this is what happens. The devil wants us to hide away and God wants us to step up. That is, there's the battle. The devil wants us to shrink and God's saying, no, I want you to live big. And sometimes you just don't feel like it. But this is what we're called to do every single day. I don't feel like it, but I'm going to live big today. I want to talk a little bit today about how much God loves you and how much he desires just to hang out with you. Do you know that? You can feel like hell, but Jesus wants to hang out with you. You can feel like you have screwed up so badly, but Jesus wants to hang out with you. Do you know what? You can even feel like the super Christian and have become the other way, like a Pharisee, like you deserve that Jesus hangs out with you. And he still wants to hang out with you. Isn't that incredible? Ever since the beginning of time when Adam and Eve created and Adam and Eve, and maybe I'll get onto this if I've got enough time later, separated from God. God is doing everything in his power to woo you back to him. And the devil is doing everything in its power 
to draw you away from him. And this is the great fight. This is what, this is the big struggle that's going on. Every single day, every single hour, every single minute, every single second, you have the devil who's trying to drag you away from God's presence. And God is wooing you to come back. And we're somewhere in the middle. You know what I'm saying? Um, a, f- a few years ago, I used to do a lot of school's work, a lot of years ago now, with a guy called Dave. Uh, Dave, Dave, is, Dave is West Indian and is an exact replica of Lenny Henry. So you've got to get that in your head. Imagine Lenny Henry and me doing school's work together. He's hilarious and I'm Simon. <laughs> I'd, uh, we, we had great times together, but as life does, you go on a different journey and uh, he ended up passing a church and I ended up in, in Bristol and we agreed, moving from London, we agreed to meet in Oxford one day just so we could connect and hang out. Now, Ali and I, being ourselves, going, I'll tell you what would be funny. What if we dressed up as old people? Like, <laughs> I'd, what if we dressed up as old people and went to Oxford and disguised ourselves as old people, like you do. Like, you know those moments where you sit there and go, let's, let's, let's just dress up like this. So we got a hold of makeup and old clothes from a second-hand shop, and the two of us, dressed as old people, arrived half an hour early and sat in the area, the general area, where Dave and his wife Elaine were due to meet us. And, of course, Dave's like, where's Simon? Because... I'm 26. He's not expecting this old man. And you know what? I managed to, with my stick, get up as this close to Dave and go, young man. And Dave was like, all right, mate, all right. Because he was desperately looking and he didn't realise this man disguised as an old man was his best mate, Simon. And I went, have you got the time, young man? And he went, yeah, 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 it's on the clock over there. He was really dismissive. He really was. I'm like, Jesus don't love you. (laughs) And I went, surprise. And I still remember him looking at me. And half his brain was going, that's Simon. And the other half of his brain was going, that's an old man. And he's standing there looking at me, and I'm going, (laughs) and then there's this moment where he just bursts out laughing, and Dave used to have the biggest laugh ever in the world. In fact, his laugh was so (laughs) contagious that he could tell a joke, forget the punchline, and just burst out laughing, and we would all laugh until we wet our underpants, and then look at each other and go, what were we laughing at? And he filled the square in Oxford with laughter as he realised his best friend was actually under his nose, disguised in a way he wasn't expecting. Sometimes we think we know how God will connect with us. We have, we, even when we're looking for God, God comes in a different guise to us. Because he loves to surprise us and help us understand that we, ha- we can't box him in. We can't create an image 
of what he needs to be because he's bigger than whatever you can think. He's greater than whatever you can imagine. He will surprise you with his generosity. Just when you think you've got to the thing, I know how, who God is. God goes, I've got something more for you. It's whether you're prepared to step into where he's going rather than keep on dragging him back to the familiar ways of who you think God is. That's our biggest problem. We want to take God into our familiar space and God is continuously trying to say, I want to encounter you in a new space so you can discover the greatness of who I am and in doing so, expand who you are in me. Are you following me here? Right? You see, God graciously comes back to where we are every now and again. But as soon as he does, he takes us our hand and he moves us on. Have you noticed that? He, sometimes he picks us up like the lost sheep. He'll come back and go, oh, what did you end up here again? And we'll go, bah. yeah, I know, bah. picks us up. He doesn't hang around there. Do you know your parable? Do you know your Bible? Do you know when Jesus came, the, you know the parable, when the shepherd picks up the lost sheep, you know? He doesn't go, oh, let's hang out here. You found a great place. He never does that. He's forever picking us up and taking us where we're supposed to be. And then he says, come on. And he moves on and we go, and we stay there. We want him to stay here. God said, I don't want you to stay here. I want you to move to where I'm taking you to. My whole desire is to help you live big. And in order to do so, you've got to keep this moving process. You've got to keep moving with him. Because he's growing you. The Bible says he's growing us into his likeness with ever increasing glory. He's forever revealing himself to us. Isn't that wonderful? Let me take you to the scripture. And we'll, I've, I have one of those moments where I know this is where we're going to start. I don't know where we're going to finish. <laughs> But let's go, come with me to Luke 24, will you? And verse 13. Now at the same day, two of them, who's them? Followers of Jesus. So two disciples of Jesus. So these aren't the twelve. These are the um, added two. Jesus had hundreds of disciples. Hundreds. Uh, we just know twelve of them. By this time, Judas is now dead, so he's got 11, the famous ones. And then two of the not-so-famous ones are now mentioned in the Bible. Okay, so two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognising him. Maybe he was dressed as an old man. <laughs> he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? 
What things? He asked, as if he didn't know. (laughs) About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was the prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us, but went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came out and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman said, but they did not see Jesus. Right, so we're now three days after Jesus has risen from the dead. Okay, they have heard the evidence of the women that he wasn't in the tomb. Their mates had gone to the tomb. They're even complaining that Jesus said after three days, this would all be sorted out. And they've already given up on day two. And they're walking back to Emmaus from from where it's all happening. And they're walking away and they're going... This ain't working, is it? And they're speaking to one another the truth, but in such a way they don't believe it. And they are, instead of encouraging one another with the word of God, instead of encouraging one another with what God has said, they are discouraging one another and somehow saying the things that God has said. It's amazing. (laughs) And Jesus turns up and he's walking along with them. And they're going, oh, and they don't know it's him. They are so caught up in their issues. They're so caught up in, this is what God said and it didn't happen. This was going to happen and it didn't happen. I thought this was going to happen and it didn't happen. And here we are. He said it was going to be the third day and it's the third day and it still hasn't happened. He's still in the third day. And they're walking along. But they don't realise that Jesus is walking with them. You see, the devil isn't out to get you to sin. That's a popular belief. The devil's waiting for you going, mm, have some sin more. Oh yes, please. Do you know what the devil's goal is? It's to distract you from Jesus' presence. So even in here, in this place here, You can be surrounded by people worshipping God and miss out yourself. (laughs) You can be standing next to someone who's got their hands raised, having a glorious moment, gets healed of leprosy and TB and all sorts of stuff, like in the seat next to you, and you're like, all you can think about is like, do you care about me, God? Are you, are you, do you really, do you understand who I am? Do you know what's going on in my life right now? Do you know that, did I put the chicken on? Did, oh, I forgot to peel the veg. Oh, did you know my car needs MOTing? Do you, like, the devil do anything, anything to distract you. From this moment of encounter for you. This moment where you can step 
out of darkness into light, to step out of your worries and your fears and all the circumstances that we all go through. Hello? Oh, this person next to me, they've got a great life. Oh, they're amazing. You know, they can't even get in a bath because every time they tread on the water, they just walk on top of it. <laughs> they are so amazing. See, we look at those people and think, woe is me, woe is me. Jesus is walking with you right now. He's with you right now. You've got to learn to step out of darkness into light. You've got to step. The circumstance isn't going to change like that. But your perspective of the circumstance can change just like that. In a moment, we'll get to that. I'm jumping ahead of myself. Too excited. Jesus is with you right now. If the enemy can get you to distract on anything, anything whatsoever, doesn't care what it is, even if it destroys you in the process, he will do that because he knows as soon as you focus and have an encounter with Jesus Christ, whether it's the first, second, third or millionth time, everything changes. And he has to run away because he has no control anymore. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life to all its fullness. Are you looking at me going, I don't believe you. (laughs) You've got to get into your Bible so much more. Jesus isn't some master of disguise. It's just the disciples were so fixated on their troubles that they didn't recognise him. Verse 25, let's go back to the Bible again. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Hint, hello, hello. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. This is seven miles of Jesus teaching. Personal one-on-one discipling and coaching for seven miles and they still didn't get it. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was to go further. Now, there's a game, and this is a spoiler alert, there's a a game that's called I Pass These Scissors Crossed. I Pass These Scissors Uncrossed. So, I am going to play the game in front of you. And I'm going to say, see if you get it right, okay? If you think this, I'm right, then put your hand up, okay? I pass these scissors crossed. If you think that's right, put your hand up. You're all wrong. Okay, let's try again. I pass these scissors crossed. If you've got your hand up, you are right. 
Okay, right, let's try it again. Let's turn the scissors around. Okay, I pass these scissors crossed. If you've got your hand up, you're right. Okay. Okay, let's try again. I pass these scissors crossed. <laughs> All right. If you put your hand up, then you're right. I'm going to make it really obvious this time. Are you ready? I pass these scissors crossed. The reason is, and this is the spoiler alert, I'm getting you to look at the scissors and you're trying to work out whether they're crossed or not. And it's nothing to do with the scissors. It's whether there's a part of my body that is crossed. So I pass these scissors crossed. My point is this. I can distract you by getting a look at this thing here when I need you to look at me. And that's what the devil does. Gets you to look at the thing that's not important so that you miss what is important. Are you following me here? Because this will change your lives in every circumstance you're in. Stop looking at the unimportant and focus on who Jesus is because he literally put his life on a cross for you. There's two things let me finish with real quickly. It says, he said, the disciples invited Jesus into their home. Now, here's the secret. Even if you can't see the wood for the trees, invite Jesus into your home. Okay? Even if you don't get it, invite him in. Because by bringing him close, they get to a place of revelation. Because what happens is this. He said, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. This is verse 29. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Now, was it suddenly they saw his hands with the holes in it? Maybe he pulled his sleeves up and they could see the scars fresh. And then... That's not normal. Maybe there was something just in the way that they'd walked with Jesus. So for him opening, breaking the bread, they went, there's just something familiar about that that connected them to a previous encounter. Maybe as they looked from his hands and they looked in his eyes for the first time, looked beyond his words, and saw compassion that Jesus just poured into them. But something changed in their moment. And the Bible says, didn't our hearts warm within us? The dissonance of your heart and your head, the disconnect between what you're thinking and what you know, is God teaching us new language new lessons see what you know is your safety zone 
And God says, you're not going to learn to step into something new by repeating what you already know. You have to trust me with my, what I've placed inside of you to trust that burning instinct. Sometimes it's a feeling. Sometimes it's just a, I've just got to do this. Stepping out of that into the new. Jesus walked with those guys. I find this really moving. Jesus walked with those guys for seven miles in the wrong direction. Seven miles away from purpose. Seven miles away from what the prophecy was. Seven miles away from everything that Jesus said, this is where you need to be. And he still went with them. Every step was taking them away from their future, was taking them away from their purpose. As they argued and they complained, they're walking away. Yet Jesus still kept walking with them, still kept walking with them, still kept walking with them. One mile, two mile, three mile, four mile, five mile, six mile. It gets the seventh mile and he's still with them. Going in the wrong direction. Sticking with them. Until they went, ah, I get it. Jesus said, come and join me back because I've got to go and sort a few more people out. The Bible says he just disappears. Where does he go? He goes and finds Ali. And Liam and Hugh and Simon and Dave. He finds Lois. He finds Phil and June. He goes and finds them because they're all one. Sorry, that's just me and Ali, not you. <laughs> but he's chasing after us. And as we're going, oh, for God, this is looked like a good idea. Jesus is like, come on. I'm, look, we're going this way. Though your sins may be as scarlet, they can be as white as snow. And the disciples said, they ran back to Jerusalem and they had to tell everybody, we've met with Jesus. It just took us seven miles of walking to figure it out. When did those disciples truly encounter Jesus? At the breaking of bread or on the road to Emmaus? Just because you can't see it doesn't mean you haven't encountered him. He is walking with you. And my best advice to you is wake up, smell the coffee, invite him into your home and say, come closer to me. Because once you do that, you're going beyond your rationale argument and you're inviting him close. And see what he does to turn things around in your life. Church, we must be a people that help people encounter God. All right, can, I, can, I just, can I just be captain for a moment? Right, don't turn up late. Because if you turn up late, you're just thinking about yourself. If you turn up early, you're thinking about helping others encounter Jesus because you can help create space to make sure everything's nice and warm and tidy so those who are going I've been on this journey right think 
broader. I'm not talking about you as individuals, I'm talking about you as a church. If you're on team, make sure you're on it. Make sure that people who wander here in for the first time can walk in and go, my heart is strangely warmed, but I don't know why it is. Because Jesus has been walking with them for six miles and this is the seventh. And this is their moment. It might be their first mile or their second, but it might be their sixth mile. And this is their seventh and this is their moment. And we contributed to being, helping people find out who Jesus is. Oh, wow. Sorry, I'm a bit rambly this morning because it's more heart than anything else. Jesus wants to connect with you today. How beautiful. Some of you, you're back to one mile. (laughs) We are like sheep. (laughs) Last week, we were on it. (laughs) This week, we're like, oh, Emmaus sounds really good. (laughs) He's like, off he goes again. (laughs) Dave, come back. Sam, Sam, Sam. He's running after you, Sam. Come on, you're supposed to be in Jerusalem. Oh, I don't know. I think this is quite a good idea. <laughs> and we're wandering off. Jesus graciously comes to us. He says, come on. You don't have to wait to mile seven. You can do it in the first hundred yards if you want to. Can we just pray? Let's just finish in the presence of God. He says, people here have just, the word of God's come to you today. And you realise the enemy's distracting you. This is how you know your heart is warmed with him. My words connected deeper than your brain. Because the words aren't just my words. They're the generosity of the Holy Spirit using my voice to remind you how much Jesus loves you. But it doesn't make sense, right? That's what it's called faith. So I'm going to make two appeals. The first appeal is this. I'm going to make a decision this morning and that's between you and Jesus. But by you standing, when I count, you're saying, Jesus, I'm inviting you into my home so that we can fix this. Now, that might be the first mile, second mile. I'm not interested how many miles you've gone down the road or how many times you've done this. You just know the Holy Spirit's ministering to you and you're going to stand by saying, I'm responding to that. The second appeal would be to the church. Will we create space for people to encounter in their seventh mile who Jesus is? So, for you as individuals, let me pray for you. Will you respond by standing and say, Jesus, I invite you into my home. Would you stand now, please? Ah. 
I count to three before I move on. Jesus gives us these chances. Ready? One, two, three. Now you stand. Here I am, Lord. I'm just going to pray for you. Just put your hand on your heart where you are. Just feel you've spoken to me this morning. And out of your graciousness, you've come to me, you've followed me, and you've... I didn't even recognise you. <laughs> but right now, it's all just like come fresh to me. And this is my choice. I'm not going to follow the distraction anymore. I'm going to get back on the track and I'm going to go where you've called me to be. Forgive me for just coming up with loads of baloney about this, that and the other. And now I invite you into my home. Will you bring a fresh revelation of who you are to me? I want to encounter with you, Jesus. Amen. And the last prayer. Will this church become a place where people can encounter God? And if so, please stand right now with me as a statement of faith. That whoever comes in... This will be a place that, that where people will find themselves in the seventh mile in the name of Jesus. So Heavenly Father, I ask that you will fill this place with your glory. Will you anoint Liam and Lisa, James and Anna, help them God, that we're not just running some kind of club here where you can call yourself Christian, but it will be an encounter with God himself. I pray for the people who are on mile six, that you've been walking with them for six miles. God, I pray, Lord, that these friends of ours, these connections of ours, these um, neighbours of ours, they will come mile seven, will walk into this place, and they will see you. They will meet with you, and their hearts will warm strangely within them. In the name of Jesus, I ask this. Now I put a commission on this church. Go and reach this community. Go over the edge. Go and create something where people can experience a new wine, a new hope, a new life, a new enjoyment of freedom of sin, freedom of shackles, freedom of, of the devil just destroying people. New hope in the name of Jesus, I ask this. And all God's people said, Amen. Hey, why don't you show your appreciation for Sai again? Thank you, Sai. It's a great message, great encouragement, right? Great encouragement.